Hey, hi, good morning. Let me say, extend my welcome to you as well. Um, and, uh, and if you're with us um, online, live, or catching up as well, you're really welcome. If you're awake, you're welcome. If you're half asleep, you're welcome. We're going to open the word together and uh, see what Jesus wants to say. Lord, will you help us, please? We, we don't want to just sing songs and, and, and preach sermons. We're expecting this engagement with you, as we, as we heard in that, that, that beautiful healing miracle where Jesus takes someone, he sees them, in, meets them in their need, brings them through, totally, utterly transforms the guy's life. Lord, that's why we come to church, Lord, because we must meet with you. We must have what you have for us. So would you just help us now as we, as we engage with the scriptures and as we respond to you with our worship and with our lives. Amen. Amen. Um, Stuart, you're able to help or maybe grab one or two others. I'd, I'd love one of these. Actually, I can, I can do this. Uh, this will intrigue you, won't it? Can I, can I just put one in front of either aisle there? And uh, could you lock the back doors? No, I'm not locking the doors. Don't worry. Uh, just making people very nervous here. It's just an illustration. Don't worry. Um, it's not crowd control if you're going to rush me. Uh, there we go. Let's just, I might just put that here. Lean on that. Um, let's put Psalm 24 up on the screen. We've been preaching through Psalm 24 in our 24 days of prayer and fasting so far. Uh, and um, some of us have been trying to memorize it. We'll just read it out together for now. But if you're, if you're doing this at home, just keep, keep working on this. It's so good to practice the memorization of Scripture, to commit the Word of God to our hearts. Jesus learned the Scriptures when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, he was able to respond to the tempter, Satan, not out of how he was feeling, but out of the living word of God that he'd hidden in his heart. Um, you never know when you might need some of these scriptures to draw on, to speak out, to declare in your life. Great, they're all trapped now. There's no escape. Um, anyone nervous? <laughs> Misha told me he could hurdle these comfortably. Um, we're not, he's still nodding. We're not going to try that. Psalm 24, if you're able to read in English, let's read this together. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? The one and a pure heart who will not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive the blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. We'll just pop that psalm. Uh, we're going to look particularly at verses 7 to 10 this morning. I'll just let that scroll around in some of the languages that are spoken here. If that helps you, great. If it distracts you, don't look at it. Um, if you want to learn Spanish, Portuguese or Farsi while you're here and not listen to me, go for it. Do your best. 
Um, remember, we've been saying as we've been looking through this psalm, or if you're with us for the first time in these passages today, this was a psalm probably written by David to celebrate the moment when he uh, and the whole city and the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant, as Ken described it, the box of God's presence last week, um, the, the place that represented the presence of God amongst his people. They carried the Ark of God into Jerusalem, the city that David had recently captured uh, from his enemies. Uh, and uh, as they would have gone into Jerusalem and through Jerusalem to the tent where David finally placed the ark, they would have gone through many doors and many gates along the way through this walled city. So you've got David, the king. You've got the, the, the priest carrying the ark, the, the, representing the presence of the king of kings coming into his city, coming into his inheritance. Listen, whenever we read the Old Testament, this is the Old Testament here. Um, after the New Testament that gives us the life and times of Jesus, the beginnings of the, of the church and the letters to the churches, the age of the spirit. Whenever we read the Old Testament to the New Testament, we work on a, a kind of a simple principle of the lesser to the greater. It's how we read the Bible. That means this passage in Psalm 24 must be teaching us something greater about what's to come in Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what we see here. We, well, I think it was mentioned last week in Matthew 21. You'll find Jesus. He's not far now from uh, giving up his life on the cross for our sins, but he enters into Jerusalem with crowds, thousands and thousands of crowds, throwing down palm branches in their coats, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's triumphantly entering Jerusalem. Matthew 21 says the whole city is stirred up and the crowd say maybe you remember this phrase from somewhere who is this we've just been reading it in Psalm 24 and they reply to one another it's Jesus it's the Messiah it's the one that's all over can you imagine these crowds who is this it's Jesus the King who is this it's Jesus the Messiah so this is what Psalm 24 is pointing us to the lesser to the greater in fact it goes even further as we've been saying all the time we've been working through diligently through this psalm it points us even further even beyond that grand moment of Jesus entering Jerusalem it points us to the moment where one day soon Jesus is coming back, where his presence is going to come and fill the whole earth, where Jesus comes into his own, where the whole planet, as it were, becomes the temple of the living God when Jesus comes back into that which is his. Hallelujah. That, this is a big psalm. That's what it's pointing us towards, uh, even as we study it today. And, and I, I think, uh, as I've been looking through it this week, I, I just felt, wow, even before we come to some application, and I, I think we have some prophetic application today, um, I just want to worship the Lord with joy and freedom uh, again. Um, we were praying before the meeting, and Mark Kendall prayed something like this. He read something from Romans, and, and then just kind of prayed in this way, using this psalm, that um, we, we, we're just reminding ourselves even in those early verses, um, we're, we're sinners. We should be outside. We should be barred from God's presence. We shouldn't be able to get in to him. But we have this, this incredible open door access to come to God in Jesus Christ. Um, since I was 18 or 19, it was my 18th birthday. My parents gave me a study Bible for my 18th birthday. I've told some of you this story before. I was a bit cross. I wanted money for a new bass guitar. I got a study Bible, um, but I've, I've read it pretty much every day since. I, I try and read a psalm a day. 
There's 365 days in a year. There's 150 psalms. So in a year, I'll get through the psalms around two and a half times. I don't know. My math isn't good enough now to work out how many times I've read this Psalm 24 over the years, how many times I've heard it read in sermons and church meetings, and how many times I've sung various versions of it. But every single time, happened to me just a couple of weeks ago as I, as I got to Psalm 24 again in my morning readings. Every time I come to the question in the early verses, who may ascend? Who may stand? Who may enter in? The answer that I have to write down in my little notepad in my morning devotionals is not me. I, I can't. I, I'm not worthy. I can't come in. I don't have the right to. Uh, only Jesus. He's the only clean one. The, he's the only one with clean hands and a pure heart. You and I are sinners. That's what the scriptures teach us. Only Jesus can ascend the hill of the Lord, to use that picture language. When the question is asked, who can ascend? There's a long line of us stretching right around the planet. There's only one man that steps forward and says, yeah, I can. It's Jesus Christ. I love that, that uh, question in heaven in Revelation 5, where John, who's seeing this incredible ap- apocalyptic vision, um, and, uh, and he's weeping because he says, who's worthy to open the scroll? And all of heaven is saying, there's no one worthy. And then they see a lamb who was slain. It's Jesus Christ. It's beautiful, symbolic language for us. There's only one. He's washed away your sins and my sins. He's died for us. He now stands before his heavenly father on our behalf. He's worthy. Uh, the Bible says now, I'm clothed in Christ. Um, so when the Father looks at me, angry with my sin, um, separated from me by the stench of my sin, instead he sees me washed and clothed in the same clothes of Jesus Christ. The scriptures say my life is hidden with Christ in God. What a rich verse that is. Because I'm in Jesus, that means my hands are now clean. Wow. Do you remember Pilate, when Jesus was condemned to death, he washed his hands symbolically of the whole thing. You can never wash the stain of sin externally off you. This isn't about externals. It's about hearts being changed. And you and I cannot change our hearts. We cannot wash our hands. We cannot make ourselves worthy. But in Jesus Christ, we've been cleansed. Our hearts have been renewed. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me say all. Oh, yeah, now say it as though you're convinced about it. It's true. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. What a wonderful, liberating doctrine this is in the gospel. My heart renewed. The Bible says I've been washed with pure water. I've been cleansed from this unrighteousness. I'm I'm welcomed in. God God speaks over us. uh, Things in James, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Wow, I was the one that wasn't allowed to draw near. And now he says, if you take one baby step towards me, like the father and the prodigal son, I'm racing towards you to sweep you off your feet and to cover you in my kisses and in my love. This is what we're into now as we come in Christ. Romans says that he pours his love into our hearts. We can call him Abba, Father. We have this intimate relationship with our God in heaven because we've come through, we've ascended, we've walked in, not through our clean hands and pure hearts, but hanging on to Jesus Christ who is clean and pure. Hallelujah. Jesus, my righteousness. So we get to start by worshipping today, don't we? Is anyone else feeling that rising in their heart? Maybe it's just me getting excited uh, as I look at these truths. Wow, we're welcomed. How amazing. So I I don't want us to get to these these kind of more... um, battle declarations and applications of verses 7 to 10 in any other way than coming as as worshippers first and foremost you're a worshipper you and I are worshippers if we forget that we've forgotten everything this is the way in for us and it's the way on for us we just continue 
You may have been around a long time like me now, worshipping Jesus, but we carry on that way, amazed at God's grace, amazed that he should choose me, that he should love me, that he should work out his plans through the likes of, of, of you and me, um, that, that, that one day uh, um, I'm, I'm going to be told, welcome, come in, good and faithful servant. Uh, even now, I, I don't have to live in fear of judgment. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to stand before him on the basis of my own clean hands or pure heart. I'm in Jesus. And one day he's going to wipe every tear away from my eye, lift off every frustration that I've lived with, and I'm going to be his forever. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love the gospel? I was just looking at these things this morning. I was just singing out loud in my front room with my cup of tea. Uh, I stand, oh, I'm going to sing now. I stand amazed. In the presence, you can sing with me if you want, of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me. And wonder how he could love a sinner condemned unclean. Condemned unclean. How marvelous. Singing how marvelous. How wonderful am my song shall ever be how marvelous how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me lord will you just keep shaping us as worshipers lord if for some of us maybe we don't even listen to the rest of this sermon but we just stay in this place of realizing this is who i am <laughs> this is who you are this is what you're doing we, we just love your amazing grace, Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, wow, look at verses 7 and, and verse 9. There's, there's repetition here. Lift up your heads. And who is this king? They're mentioned twice when the Bible repeats something. I think it's so people like you and me who are hard of hearing. It's supposed to get our attention. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, your ancient doors. I, I counted at the start of our prayer weeks um, in this building, 58 doors, sets of doors. I didn't count cupboards. Um, they don't go anywhere. Who wants to go in a cupboard? Um, and uh, I didn't count uh, double doors. I counted as one. It's a doorway. Uh, so there's many more doors, but I'm looking at doorways. There are six gates I counted around this building. If you use a Bible concordance, there are over 400 references to doors and over 400 to gates in the Bible. Most of them just talk about doors and gates. That's, they literally are what they are. But other times, these mentions of doors and gates, they are symbolic. They point towards something. That's what these doors and gates are here uh, in Psalm 24. We're reminded again, as I said earlier, when David came into Jerusalem, these, these stronghold cities of the Old Testament with their thick walls and their fortified gates. Um, you can put up the, the next slide, I think, if you want, the one with a picture of the gates on, Gene. Thank you so, so much. Um, they're not like our gates here. Not even, we've got some good gates down here at the end of our driveway at the Caris Center. But um, they, these were massive gates. Often they had pillars made of stone. They, they would have cross pieces with brass and iron. Uh, sometimes they would sheet the wood with metal. I think in the summer, Kaz and I went with some of our Iranian friends to, um, to the British Museum. That's one of the big Assyrian gates. I love the Assyrian and the Persian and the Babylonian parts of the 
British Museum. And you can go there for free. Get there quick before we give all this stuff back to the places we took it from. Um, get there while you can. I love these gates. Um, and city gates were opened. We see it in the scriptures and we read about it in the history books outside of, of Bible history. They were open during the day so citizens of the city could come in and go out and trade and do business. But the gates were also the places in these, these ancient civilizations where leaders would meet. They'd sit at the gates. The elders would sit there. Decisions were made. Wisdom was imparted. What happens at night? Gates are closed at night. We lock the doors here. We have a little padlock. They're closed at night. We don't want people breaking in that shouldn't be here. It's a safety measure to keep out enemy attacks. You look in Joshua 2, you'll find as, as Joshua is about to send the spies into the promised land, they, they go in because, and they say, see that at night Jericho is tightly shut up. That's a reference to the gates being closed and the walls not being able to be scaled. In Nehemiah, maybe we'll come back to Nehemiah in a little while before we pray and respond. Um, Nehemiah is in exile in Babylon, but he hears a report that his home city of Jerusalem, uh, um, where they've been captured from and exiled from, that the gates are broken down. They've been burned. The walls have been knocked down. That's why as Nehemiah restores the city, if you read the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, there's so much urgency in his intentions to rebuild the gates and the walls. It's safety, security. The truth is, whoever controlled the gates controls the city. I think there's something for us there we'll come to. And in this psalm, we get to speak to the gates. Um, I don't know if you've ever spoken to a gate. Um, maybe you have. <laughs> maybe you haven't. Maybe as you walk it. I love to do it when I walk into Tesco's. Don't you do the, uh, the Jedi thing every time you walk in Tesco's? I do that and the doors open in front of me. Is it just me that does that? Okay. Um, try it next time. It's real fun um, and not at all strange. Uh, I don't know if you speak to gates, but here we're told to speak to gates. Lift up your heads. Be opened up. Of course, this is kind of picture language. The gates uh, of Jerusalem that David's coming to, it's like they're personified. Um, maybe there was a gate they went through with a, like a portcullis that goes up. Maybe it was lifted above the level of the wall. So today, in David, as he's writing this poem and song, maybe to him it looked like the gate was lifting its head as they walked in. I, I don't know. But we certainly get to declare you open up because the King of Glory is coming in today. Gates and doors in Scripture are symbolic. Jesus is having his inheritance. Whoever controls the gate controls the city. It was true in the natural and, and it's true in the spiritual as well. Whoever controls the gates of your life controls the, the city, controls your life, your, your heart. And so we're saying open up to the Lord Jesus. On the, the first Sunday night of the prayer weeks back in the beginning of January, Seems like last year, it was only two, three weeks ago. Um, we prayed down in the cafe and we, we prayed into some of these verses. And we we're praying about the gates to our homes, the gates to our church and the gates to the city. My intention had been to, to kind of open some of that up in preaching this morning. That we say, let the King of Glory come into these areas. I think when we have our, our, our 24 hours of prayer that's starting here this coming Friday. We've got a half night of prayer in here and then an opportunity to carry on in prayer through the night and through Saturday um, I think I'll get some of those uh, notes we wrote and post-its and flip charts. We'll get them out again so we can pray again or add, add to those things that we felt God saying. But as I was praying this week, I just felt the Holy Spirit provoke me to focus on, on my heart and on our own hearts. Uh, I believe he's got something that he wants to prophetically awaken in us. Um, and when I come to the end in a few minutes before we worship again, I'm going to invite you to get up and take a walk with me. I'm going to open these gates. I'm going to ask you as a kind of prophetic act as we're speaking to gates and doors, to say, if I'm opening up my heart in a new way to the Lord, I'm just going to walk through 
the gate that is Jesus in a fresh way today. We'll come back to that in a, in a moment, maybe. Um, can we have the, the Samson slide up? Thanks, Gene and John. That's, actually, it's in, I was on my sabbatical in Bradford. I love that. Just a bit of graffiti, street graffiti. It's not the passage I was thinking about, but it's a great bit of street art of Samson. Um, listen, if you're not yet following Jesus, maybe there are, I don't know your hearts. There are some here today that are not yet, you know I've not yet given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're with us online in that way. You're looking in because you're signing up for the Alpha course that starts this week. You think, well, what's this church and this Jesus all about? If you're not yet following Jesus, these words of gates and doors are just a picture for you of your way to Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says, I'm, I'm the gate for the sheep. In that analogy, we'll come back to it in a moment. We are the sheep and he's the gate. Simple. Um, Judges 16, I love, I love Samson's stories. Samson was just had a completely bankrupt character in terms of his heart for God. He, he was a, a very broken, flawed man, but the Holy Spirit came powerfully on him to give him a supernatural strength that would rescue God's people. Judges 16, it's not this story in the street art, um, but Samson is in an enemy city. Uh, he's been with a prostitute, actually, uh, and he's surrounded by his enemies that think this is a chance to take Samson. But it says at midnight, he breaks out of the city. Uh, he doesn't break in, he breaks out. Um, the strength of God is on him. And it's an incredible picture language. It says he lifts the gates of the city with the crossbar and the posts on it at the same time. Isn't that, that's like, I, I love um, um, World's Strongest Man that they always show in the first week of the new year. I think it's on Channel 4 these days. I love that when they pull a truck or a bus or a couple of family-sized cars and they have to kind of carry things on their shoulders and see how far they can walk with it. Samson lifted the city gates. He pulled them out of the wall. I'd be like Jackie and Wendy there at the back. Instead of unlocking the doors, not just breaking the doors open, but pulling out the door frames and the lintel and carrying them down the corridor. In fact, Samson didn't carry them down the corridor. He carried them up a hill, okay? This is what Samson did. This is a supernatural thing from God. He carries them on his shoulders. Again, we were speaking earlier about the letter to the greater principle. This, this mighty strength that Samson was given by God points us to the Lord strong and mighty that we read about in this passage that, that leads us to Jesus. This moment of victory for Samson where he breaks out of captivity points us to the Jesus who is going to break us out of the captivity to our sin and shame. Points us to Jesus who broke out from death and from the grave. Points us to Jesus as we look at Samson carrying pillars and gates. We see Jesus who rolled away the stone in the tomb and carried us out and rescued us from death to life. When, we, when you and I were surrounded and trapped in our sin, Jesus Christ uh, shouldered the door open and, and literally carried the grave uh, and the judgment of God away. The bar, the posts, everything on his back that held us in our old life. Hallelujah. Jesus carries it far away. Psalm 103 says that uh, uh, he's, he's removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. It's not just carried up a hill where we can see it, a monument to our old life. It's as far away as it's possible to be as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus has left the door wide open now for us to come in. It's like when your six or seven-year-old first loses their, their front teeth, this great big gap in the wall. You're free to come in now, free to come to God, nothing to hold you back. 
It's like when Paul and Silas, maybe that's a better analogy, uh, in Acts, uh, is it Acts 16, where there's an earthquake. They've been chained in prison. And it says, every chain's broken, every door's open, every prisoner is suddenly free because of this supernatural work of God. We are his. We have a way to Jesus because he's utterly destroyed the stronghold of the enemy. He's kicked in every door. Uh, he's overcome death and he's opened up the way for us in Jesus. It's, it's just a wonderful truth, isn't it? Anyone else with me on Samson today? Uh, just pop the next slide on with the, the sheep. The beauty of having a granddaughter now is that I get to take lots of photos of animals while we're out on walks. Now my phone is full of sheep and ducks. We saw this little fella a few weeks back. I don't know if he was trying to get out or inviting us in to play. Who is this king? The king of glory. This is the question. It's a big question. People have been asking who is this king for over 2,000 years now since Jesus walked on planet earth. You're reading the gospels. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this that teaches with such authority? Who is this that opens the eyes of the blind? We heard one of those encounters this morning with Danny shared prophetically. Who is this king, this king of glory? If you're asking that question, our Alpha course starts this Wednesday. Uh, it's a great place to come and ask those kinds of, of questions. Who is this Jesus? The very first door we come to is the door of discovering who Jesus is. If that's you today, this is the, forget the other doors we'll talk about in a moment. This is the one door you need to face up to. The reality is we have, we have actually, we have no doors. We have no gates in our lives without Jesus, the gates. I mentioned John 10 earlier. Jesus says, I'm the gate for the sheep pen. You have no protection without Jesus. Jesus calls us lost sheep. Um, he's, he's beckoning us in, calling us in, looking for us to bring us in. But he says, you're lost sheep unless you come in through me, the gate. And he says, there's a wolf out there who wants to steal, kill and destroy. He's ready to welcome us in through the gate to protect us, to feed us, to grow us. But we're outside of this gate that is Jesus with the wolf around us. Come in through the door. I felt Jesus say, just remind the people, wake up. Wake up to the danger. We're not supposed to live out in the open, outside of the gate that is Jesus. We're not designed for that kind of life. There are wolves that have been tearing at some of your lives because you've not come in through the door that is Jesus. Or so you're kind of in and out of his safety. In Matthew 7, Jesus warns us that there are, there are people and there are ideas that will try to control us. He calls them false prophets in Matthew 7. He says literally they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're wolves, but they're dressed up like sheep. In other words, they're disguised. They're tricking you. Evil doctrines, dangerous doctrines, ideas, philosophies for life that seem really attractive to us and to our generation, but actually are wolves in sheep's clothing. In the same passage in Matthew 7, Jesus is also speaking about gates. He says the gate to destruction is wide. It's an easy, wide gate. It's open. It's easy. Live how you want. But he tells us if you want life, you go through the narrow gates, the narrow road, the, the gate to life. If you go visit my uh, parents, they live in the wire forest. And you, when you finally get off the motorway to the west of Birmingham somewhere, you go on a narrow country road. And then you turn off a narrow country road onto a really narrow country lane. And then you turn off the narrow country lane onto a really narrow country track that comes out by their house. I think they wanted to maybe be away from people. Um, <laughs> as Jesus says about the narrow gate leading to life, the narrow road. I just felt in my heart, don't, don't miss. So easy. 
if I drive to my mum and dad's in the dark, even knowing I've been there many times, I, I can drive past the end of the road, not even see it. I have to turn back. Where, where was it now? Don't drive past. He's the good shepherd. He's the gate for the sheep. It's, it's your first door, some of you, today. None of the others matter if you won't go through this one. You need to come through the door that is Jesus. You need to give him the keys, all these kind of door pictures and analogies. Let him be established at the gate of your life. None of these pictures of gates make sense unless we make sense of this first one by coming through Jesus, the door, Jesus, the gate. And he is so willing to welcome you. Again, Revelation says he stands at your door and he's knocking. He says if, if you welcome him, if you open the door, he'll come in and have fellowship with you. I just want to ask you, whether you're in this room or catching up at some time, Later, do, do you hear him today? Are you open to him today? This narrow door, have you missed it as you run down the wide avenues of life? Your heart, your, the doors to your heart, these are the only ones that matter with Jesus. Who is this king? This is who he is. He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's, he's battled through sin and death for us. But his heart for you, his plan for you, the action he's taken is in order to win you and win your heart. Maybe even now, just, just close your eyes if you're in the room here just going to ask you, maybe in line with this Psalm 24 with David, maybe there's, there's just, just one, two, three, four of us here today who've, who've not been able to say, I've come through this door that is Jesus. Maybe you're aware there's, there's, there are some gates and doors that represent the sin that locks me in. I'm separate from God. Maybe you want to say with David today and with this Psalm and with me, open up. I'm, I'm coming through. I'm going to come into a new life with Jesus, maybe you want to be able to say to God, well, thank you. You've, you've broken off the door that held me out and you've carried it away so I can come in. I'm going to welcome the King of glory into my life. Just while people have got their eyes closed, if, if you know I, I need to follow Jesus for the first time in that way, just wave your hand. If you're thinking in that way, praying in that way, just let me see your hand. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if there are others, you can wave your hand or just come and see me afterwards. If you're online, please just drop us a line. We'd love to help you. I'm going to invite a number of people to come and walk through these gates. But if you know I must follow Jesus, then I want you to come down to these gates and walk through in a few moments. Just pop the next one up. Can you, Gene or, or John, thank you for your help this morning. For those of us that are following Jesus, we've just got to face this question. Who's the king of glory? Looking at Jesus, his character, his words, his works, the way he acts. And, and I have to face up, and so do you if we say we're followers of Jesus. Am I honestly welcoming this Jesus into my life into my home into our church and if I'm not I'm probably welcoming something else and someone else in it's not kind of neutral the problem is if I'm not actively welcoming Jesus in I'm leaving the doors of my heart unattended and open I'm potentially letting the enemy in with all his schemes and his schemers I want things that flow in and out of my life that are life-giving and bring hope and flourishing um, I, wanna, I want stuff that flows in and out that is positive rather than polluting. Let me just ask you about the doors to your heart today. We said earlier, if you control the gates, you control the city. Are, are, we, are we truly inviting this Jesus to stand at the gates of our lives, to receive his wisdom, to take his leadership, to shut out the enemies? Are you understanding what I'm trying to do with these verses today? Do you know, I was thinking about doors. Every, every door in life is a decision. Um, even as you walk out of here later, you get to decide, do I turn left to go to the car park or do I go straight on down through other doors into the cafe? They're simple. Sometimes we don't even think about decisions like that. We have big doors of decision we talk about. Uh, will I go for that job? Is that house move a door that God's opening? What about this relationship? Is that something God wants for me or not? These are big doors in life. But I think my life is often shaped more by the little doors 
that I don't realize, the ones I'm not attentive to rather than the big doors. Um, my life and my future is shaped by the doors that I choose to open and the doors that I choose to close. Every door is a decision. It's the little doors that I leave unattended. I, I give up control for. Let me explain. I was thinking in my own heart. If, if I walk through a door today that has the word compromise written over it, then there's no doubt that there will be bigger doors of compromise that I walk through in the next weeks and months. If some of us decide to walk through doors that say words like lies and gossip over them, there is no doubt that one door like that leads to another door like that and another door like that. Doors are places of decision. The Bible says in Proverbs, don't go through the, the door or the gate of a prostitute. Maybe that's literal for someone here today. Or maybe it just means I'm, I'm not, I will not go through doors or gates that lead me into sexual sin with my mind or with my body. I'm going to keep sex for marriage as God intended it to. I will not come to a destination inadvertently that I never meant to get to that keeps me outside of God's best. You and I have choices today as we approach all the doors of our lives. They'll affect our lives. They'll affect our family, our friends. They'll affect our church. They'll, they'll affect the integrity of our gospel message. They'll affect the impression that we're making on our kids and our teenagers as we want them to grow up looking uh, and running after Jesus. Choose life, the Bible says. We want our doors to be open to this King of glory, Jesus. I think that's why these, these seasons where we pause with prayer and fasting like we're doing now in January are so important. We're, we're just reminding ourselves, just taking some moments to reflect again on my life, all the doors and gates, um, to, to, to remind us I'm, I'm going to get back into regular patterns of Bible reading and worship and scripture memorization. And I'm just going to be diligent about the doorways in my life. If you know some of that applies to you, I want you to get up and walk in a moment and come through these gates. I mentioned Nehemiah. Let's, let's just move to, to concluding this. I, uh, and we'll, we'll walk through gates and, and worship to finish. Uh, in Nehemiah, I think I mentioned earlier, the, the, he got news that the wall in Jerusalem was broken down. The gates had been burned with fire. He, he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Um, for some days, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. I sat down and wept and mourned and fasted the state of the broken down doors in my life. Proverbs 25, 28, a man or a woman without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Wow. Again, I just feel God saying, wake up. This is not neutral, easy jet, easy life, easy church kind of territory. We're in a battle. There is an enemy that wants to storm our gates. Some of us have open gates. Some of us have built no walls up in God. Nehemiah wept and fasted and mourned and prayed. I just felt God saying, why, why do you tolerate sin so easily? Why are you not mourning and broken over sin and compromise in your life? When, when Kaz and I were, were dating and when I first started driving at age 17, I, I'd go and see her at her dad's house and we'd hang out there for the day. And as I was leaving, we'd stand in the open front door, have a little kiss goodbye. And uh, her dad would be in his reclining armchair in the lounge with the lounge door closed. But somehow he would sense what was going on. And he would shout from his lounge uh, chair, are we heating the street? Um, and his, his other refrain was, close the door, you're letting all the flies in. Uh, they were the two kind of refrains that, that we grew up listening to as I stood in the open door of Kazi's dad's house. We, are, we, are we letting life dissipate out because of our carelessness with the doors of our heart? 
Or are we letting the flies in? Are we letting all kinds of rubbish in, sin and compromise? That's what happens when we're careless, when we just don't notice. Some of us have got, are in weakness in our Christian lives. Um, we've just left the door open carelessly to our hearts, our homes, to the world and the devil, to every bankrupt idea that, that wants to come buzzing in around us, get our attention. We're living without self-control. We're, we are the city broken down without walls. Jesus is inviting us into safety, but we don't want to build our lives in him. I was looking earlier this week in Genesis 19 at the, the, the frightening story of Lot and his family. You can look it up for yourself at home. He was living around so much sin in the city of Sodom. Man, it describes our generation. It describes every generation. We, we become normalized, anesthetized to sin and compromise. We don't even realize we've become like the, the world. How, how can that be for the church of Jesus Christ? We've been singing about his holiness this morning. We're his bride. We're his pure ones. We're his holy set apart people. And yet we live with a, a numbness to the sin around us and the doors that we open. It says in, in Genesis 19 that when we find Lot, he's, he's sitting at the gates of the city. He's, he's become a leader in Sin City, and yet he was part of the family of God. He was part of God's promise, God's plan A for planet Earth, and yet here he is agreeing with a city full of sin. He wakes up just in time to his situation. I, I just felt God say, don't, don't sit at the gates of sin and compromise. This psalm gives us a way to see some things, to declare some things, to speak to the gates and the doors of our lives and to welcome the Lord Almighty. But it starts with a humble awareness. It starts with grieving and mourning and repenting for our sins. How did I come into this drift? Oh God, I welcome you. Please come in. Build up the walls of my life again. Close every door that I've got left open. The first time David tried to bring the ark into Jerusalem, they were careless and a man died, was struck dead by God, judged by God for the carelessness of their worship. The second time David brought the ark in, he was faithful to everything God had said. I'm just wondering, what does it mean for us to be faithful rather than careless with the gates and the doors of our lives? We've got one week left of this prayer and fasting season. Maybe that's just one question you ask yourself. You talk about at home or with your small group. What does it mean for us to be faithful, to be faithful rather than careless with the gates and doors of our lives. I know one thing that it means for me and, and others like me. If, I, if you're a man, start to pray again. I, I, I felt for married men, man, I, I dare not sleep and slumber in my life. Maybe literally, but certainly figuratively, while my wife is doing all the fighting in prayer for stuff in our family, while she's awake in the night praying. I, I need to stand in the gap and fight and pray for my family and my friends and the church. I need to get to prayer meetings. I don't want to slumber while our gates are broken down. I want to teach others around me how to fight and build up the walls. Later in Nehemiah 4, uh, as they're building the walls, and he's got all the families that have returned with him. It says he stationed some people behind the lowest points of the, of the wall at the exposed places, posted them by their families with their swords, spears and bows. He looked up and spoke to them all. Don't be afraid of them. It's the enemy. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Beloved, we have too many exposed, broken down parts of our walls and gates in our lives. And so my exhortation to us today and in what remains of this week of prayer and in how we grow together as a family of God, his set apart holy people in this year ahead, is that we learn to 
attend to the broken down walls in our lives. We learn to do what the New Testament says. Confess your sins to one another. Work together. Rebuild. Be alert together to the enemy and his schemes. And fight. It means mums and dads, pray for your kids. Cover them. It means men, pray for your wives. It means wives, pray for your husbands. It means friends, pray for one another. If you're a wife who's married to a non-Christian husband... Find some friends around you in the church that will say, we're going to fight with you. Other way around as well. Some husbands here married to ladies that aren't Christians. Find some friends here that will stand back to back with you. If you're single, that means having others that will cover you and stand with you and fight with you in prayer and not allow you to be on your own. In our small groups, learning to pray again together. In our prayer meetings, learning to pray in the Spirit. Not saying, oh, we did a series on the Holy Spirit before Christmas, but continuing to use the gift of tongues and fighting in prayer. A half night of prayer that comes this Friday, I think, will be really important. It's just a, a chance to learn again and practice again and, uh, and, and put into practice some of these things that we've been hearing about today. I, I, I felt on my own heart just to come in in one of the hour slots later in the night. I just want to read this psalm over my family, over some of the stuff in our life and just pray through it. Maybe one or two of you are thinking that's a step I want to take as well. If that's true, come and walk with me in a moment through the gates. Would you stand up, please? Ian, guys, could you come back and help us? Stu, Danny, would you be gatekeepers? Could you just open the gate? And some of you, I think, uh, Justin, Alison, you're around, and maybe Aaron and Debbie, can you come and help us? And Joseph, Vicky, if you're happy, Malcolm and Nick, Stu, I'd just love a few down here, Nath, a few down here, just, I'm not asking you to pray for individuals. If you want to, you can, but just to, I'm going to ask people to walk past them out. I'd just love to have some of us that are praying over them. This may be very personal, very internal. We just want to make sure as you walk through, we are covering you. We want to somehow physically, symbolically act out prophetically what we've been talking about over these last few minutes. Is that okay? You understand? I'm going to ask you to walk in a moment. Let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're, we're, we're coming through the gate that is you this morning. Thank you for those who are responding for the first time. We just say, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift up your ancient doors. The King of glory is coming in. Lord, thank you that we get to say here in this place, in this church, Jesus, you are welcome. The King of glory. Thank you, Jesus. You said later to your disciples, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not withstand it, will not prevail against it. We come to you, Jesus. We get to dance for joy behind you as you come into your inheritance. We're in your grace. We're worshippers. We get to follow you into the safety of, uh, of our Father's house. You've given us incredible protection over every destructive scheme. You've given us tremendous authority as your church. You've given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We get to bind things on earth and loose things on earth and in heaven. We get, to, we get to pray over our families, over our church. Let it be here on the earth as it's been declared to be in heaven. And, and so we just thank you and we say we want to walk in that from today. And, and part of our walking is to express that today. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these gates and doors and keys. We get to live and speak with authority. Will you re-establish kingdom authority in our lives today? Every man, every woman, every teenager, every crumbly bit of wall. <laughs> oh, Lord, we are mourning over it. How did I let it come to this? Thank you today. We come to the master builder, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He joins us together. Living stones. Becomes a, we become a place where you dwell by your presence. Thank you. Rebuilder, come and help us today as we walk. Thank you for that psalm that says, you strengthen the bars of our gates. Give us peace within our borders. Oh, Lord, thank you. We are very own people. You've done this for no other people, but you've done it for us out of your love for us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So just begin to worship, guys. Go for it. I don't know. There's a hundred things I've said this morning. If the Lord's convicted you of sin, doors you need to close, 
things you want to open. If you know there are areas you need to repent of, just ask you to come through now while the guy's here raising their hands. We'll probably better have a one-way system. Come down this side by Justin. He's here by this gate, by the Justin gate. And you can go out through the stew gate. Um, and let's just pray. Let's come seriously. Let's come with sober minds. If you know I want the Spirit of the Lord to give me self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm like a city without gates, then walk with me today. If you know I just want to be part of the generation that seeks you, Lord, walk with me today. If you know you're giving your life to Jesus today, or you just want to be one that begins to pray for your family, walk with me today. I I don't know why the whole church wouldn't walk through the gates this morning and just come and uh, and re-establish their lives in God in this way. So as we worship, let's walk before the Lord. And if you want to take a moment to pray with people, then please do so. Oh,